Just after midnight here, recording live from Brooklyn, New York. Thank you for listening to another episode of House of Nako. Although it is creeping into that midnight hour, we are going to burn that midnight oil because today's topic is such of grand importance. It's necessary. It's necessary, y'all. And I've had a long day and I would love (laughs) to be hunkered down in my comfortable bed. But this is important. I had to record this and get it out as soon as possible. In addition to all that we as a global community are facing with the Rona and all of the issues surrounding it, in this country, obviously, we all know that We have an election. There are primaries that are coming up that are being postponed. Hopefully, indefinitely, in the state of New York, I received notification from Rock the Vote. I have not gone to verify that yet, which is interesting. But I am pretty certain this is a legit, legit in the the sense of Rock the Vote as being able to disseminate information. I do not know and cannot co-sign them like that. But however, the information regarding voting and voting registration has always been on point. So I believe this piece of information is also true that the New York State primary has been postponed from the 28th of this month to June 23rd, which was a smart thing to do. And Obviously, no one has a crystal ball up in here. Shout out to my girl, Crystal Ball, though. And shout out to your parents for that awesome name. However, uh, we can't see into the future. So who knows where we will be by June if that primary, rescheduled primary, will be even able to happen. We don't even know what this whole, the whole world is changing second by second it's not even minute by minute so yes we can postpone things and we believe and have hope that it can come to fruition however we got to take it second by second with this rona with the financial ramifications of the stimulus bill i'm talking u.s now focused obviously and uh, but Yes, it's U.S. focused, the stimulus bill, but obviously is going to have effects around the world because we're all connected. We're all not just connected in our own countries or in our own states. We are connected by our humanity, by our humanness, by that blood that flows through all of us, no matter what our race, color, caste, class, creed is. We are all connected by that. No one can dispute that, okay? Even if you people, obviously want to and have created institutions and have killed people in the name of not wanting to understand that. Whether or not they want to accept it and refute it at the highest level, it still is. It still is, whether you like it or not. Okay? 
So leading with that, for those of us who are progressive minded, for those of us who support Bernie Sanders and and let me make this clear, support the policies that Bernie Sanders is running on. Because this we need to learn how to separate the individual and their personality versus the uh, political and the policy. You've got to align yourself with policies because when you align yourselves with people and put your trust 100% into people, whether that person is your politician, whether that person is your uh, family member, whether that person is your coworker, trust and believe you will be disappointed. Tell me, tell me I'm not lying. I am telling you the God 100% truth. Because people are imperfect. When you put your, you will be continuously disappointed, continuously depressed, continuously knocked off your rocker and your sense of direction is all scrambled up. You'll be confused. You'll be dismayed. You'll be disheartened if you put your faith and trust and hope in a person 100%. And yes, you support their policies, but it's more about the individual. You will be disappointed. And when that person does, it's not if. When that person does disappoint you by not voting for what you believe they should have voted for, for not speaking up in the way that you believe that they should have spoken up in, you will be disappointed. That is just a part of life. And uh, the political realm of life is no different. So I support the policies of Bernie Sanders. I also happen to admire and have a lot of respect for Bernard Sanders. Yes, I do. Now, I do believe regardless of whether I was uh, respectful of him and believing in his policies and plan- and campaigning for him, which I have done, volunteered for his campaign, which I have done. There has to come to a point where you still... Okay, what I'm trying to say... <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, is that even when you support your candidate and you are in it to win it, just as I broke down, you're volunteering, you're campaigning, or even if you don't take it that far, it's going to be a dangerous point in our lives if we cannot be critical of those who we respect and admire and support their policies. If you're an elected official, you took that job knowing that the people elected you there. And because just of the same... uh just with the same notion as I explained before about the imperfections of people, those same people are your constituents and your followers as well. So they're not going to like every play that you do, every uh, proposition your campaign makes, every response that they do, every... um, 
hire, your staff is not going to you know, always get the golden stamp of approval, even from people that support you. I mean, the only thing that we can really expect of these political leaders is number one, not perfection, because you will be continuously disappointed. It is for them to the as to the best of their ability, be able to listen to the concerns, the wants, the needs, the fears, what have you of their constituency that voted them into whatever position and be able to advocate for them the best way that they can using the tools that they have using the strategy that they have that that's what i believe perhaps some people have other expectations and other things but i believe when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it that's what our elected political officials are supposed to do for us whether it's on the local level the community level and the global level that's what it's about so we're not going to agree with, there's no way that that could be possible, even with a candidate that you fully support 100%. And we have the right to raise an eyebrow, to not just raise an eyebrow, to raise a concern, to speak against an action that you feel does not correctly represent the people. For example, this whole phase one, two, and three of the stimulus bill and how the working class people of this country, the 99% were given crumbs in a crisis. And once again, just like with the Obama administration and with TARP, it's happening where it is the top 10 of 1%. A thousand people in this country are getting to split trillions and trillions of dollars, money that they don't need, not to use for the benefit of their workers, but for themselves and their families. This is wrong. This is an injustice. And in a time of pandemic crisis, of course, it it would be insane if people kept quiet and just said yes like if you didn't like the fact that Bernie didn't vote no against that vote or that he didn't say something different on the floor or there wasn't an alternative action of course you have the right to express that frustration or even that anger but my point is is that it has to be done in a way of critique. There, there's a fine line, though. There's a fine line between critiquing and then your actions become divisive within the movement, which that's my point, is that the establishment, the donor class, is still very much threatened by... Bernie Sanders and what he has been able to do from 2016 until now. If 
he was not. And the reason why and how I judge that it's still a big deal, because if they know that they had this in the bag, if they knew that, oh, Bernie has no chance, it's all over, we get up, he capitulated, that's it, they would still not be on such a constant campaign to further smear and to further slander this man. They would just say they don't have to do it anymore. It's not like dissing Bernie Sanders on corporatist media news outlets really gives them that much play. It's not like a Trump thing. Like, we're just going to talk about Trump all the time because the ratings go up. Bernie does not generate that type of viewership. So... To me, the fact that they are still, for example, Sanders went on The View and you can have whatever opinion you want about that show and those women on that show and ABC and my goodness, I have a lot to say about that. And I don't think The View is the place for intellectual banter. Sorry, ladies. It's not. It's a daytime talk show. However, they do have influence over Joe Six Pack and you know Middle America and those folks who aren't as engaged in the political discourse as many of you listening to this podcast and it does matter it does trickle down into conversations it does get into someone's head who doesn't know how to critically think and doesn't isn't up on just like as I said isn't up on it and as razor sharp and has their ear to the pulse of what is going on not just in the corporatist news media cycle but on independent wavelengths as well progressive independent news media outlets so they might be influenced by you know what Whoopi says on The View or what um, Megan McCain says or whatever so I believe it is good for Bernie even though he knows that these platforms that ABC and CNN and MSNBC are corporatist media news outlets and they do not like him obviously but it helps him to reach a wide audience so I'm glad that he did take that interview but of course Whoopi's positioning these are not her own questions perhaps she does believe in these things and she really is for Biden and she you know, is for the establishment. She has been a multimillionaire for years. This woman did grow up in Chelsea when Chelsea was the hoodie, hoodie, hood. But just like that Jefferson song, she has moved on up and she is one of the richest women in the world, the most recognizable act. I believe there was a study done years ago about the top 10 most recognizable faces on the planet and her face and name was in the top 10. So this woman has made it, okay? It's a long way from the Chelsea projects that she once used to call home. So perhaps she does believe the... I mean, somewhere she's got to uh, have some sort of... um, 
agreement in what she's doing on The View. I don't believe she's being forced to do that show and being forced to say these things because she does not need this money. If it was something they were like, well, you have to do it. She could just be like, yo, when my contract is up, I'm out. I'm just going to be chilling for the rest of my days. And she has the ability to do that 10 times over, 10 lifetimes over. So her focus today that came from her bosses, her executives, was to grill Sanders on this, make it look like this, ask these sort of questions. If he comes at you this way, try to pivot it this way. And that's how it is for everyone who gets the opportunity to sit on TV and tell their or share their quote unquote opinions. They are not their own opinions. There are a narrative that has been scripted and they are given the script And in exchange for that, they get the millions of dollars. They get to be represented by the largest talent agencies and scouts in the world. And and that's just, that's just the way the capitalist cookie crumbles, y'all. It's just the way the capitalist cookie crumbles, So getting back to my point about Sanders and the smearing, they would not be going at it this hard. I was looking for a the name of a politician also named Sanders, a black uh, man who's a politician. I couldn't remember his first name, though. So I was trying to do a search on Google and what kept coming up was stories about black people and Bernie Sanders. And I just thought it was so interesting. I was reading off the pages and pages of clickbait headlines about Sanders and black people. Sanders doesn't like black people. Black people don't like Sanders. Black people don't. And that was the gist of every single, uh, and they all were coming from Vox, from BuzzFeed, from Uh, New York Times, from Newsweek, from all those major, you know, bought and paid for publications. And I was like, wow, they really, they're going in, like they're going in, they're not stopping. And that to me is a signal that Bernie still has power. They're still afraid of him. If they weren't, they would put their concentration somewhere else. Seriously. Because like I said, it's not gaining anything for them. Their ratings are not shooting up because people just love to tune in to burn. Not in the same way that the ratings go up because of Trump. Their coverage of Bernie is calculated and it is to cause, um, a disruption in his momentum. It is to try and stop him at any cost. Because trust me, they have spent time and millions and probably even billions of dollars trying to find something on this man that he has done, some flaw in his character. They have examined him and followed him and done their research, on not on him and his family, trying to find out what his vices are, what his vulnerabilities are, going back to when he was 15 years old, trying to find anything on this man. And the fact that they are not able to find anything, now they go into their second phase of disruption, which is to start infighting within his support group. And they're doing that. This is a playbook that the establishment has written probably since the inception of this country. 
But from my historical studies, I think there is no better example on how the establishment loves to um, hide behind different faces and different sources to try and manipulate the structure of whatever it is they're trying to break up, whether it be Martin Luther King and the momentum that he was uh, amassing at that time. Another example, I mean, let's just start with that with King. I believe that, I mean, it's not that they did not try. Hoover was obsessed with trying to stop Martin Luther King at all costs, at all costs, especially when it got to the point of he was in the peace, people, poor people's movement, where he was being critical of the Vietnam War, when he was being critical of the system. It was one thing when he was trying to be in the South and do sit-ins and marches and all of that. But when they started really believing that he was a threat to the status quo is when he got, he already had, you know, fame and momentum. But when he his base started building, when it started going cross-cultural, cross-ethnic, lines, cross-racial lines, and he's being outspoken about a war that they very much wanted to fight, very much wanted to spend money on, very much wanted to have the blood on their hands. They did not want somebody who had clout like that trying to diss them like that. So Hoover was like, take this man down at all costs. Now, Martin Luther King wasn't a saint. There is a documentary I still have yet to watch about King in the wilderness. I believe it does touch on a lot of those things. It's based on, I believe, the last year or so of his life. He wasn't a saint. No person is. Nobody is perfect. As wonderful as Dr. King was, as amazing. He is a human being. He had vices. He had faults. And Hoover found out about those faults. He knew that Martin loved the ladies. That not only did he love his wife, Coretta, but looked like he was dipping and doing and doing and dipping all over the South. Well, maybe not all over, but I know I've read accounts about Martin, Martin and his women. And Hoover knew about that too. So they tried to use that to bring him down. On several occasions, they wrote letters to Coretta Scott King. They sent pictures. They had him, uh, Martin followed when he would go be with these women in whatever hotel, whatever house or whatever. I don't even know if they got pictures of him actually doing these women. Who knows? Or even uh, they got sound and sent it to her. How devastating would that have been for any woman to open up the mail and be like, oh, who is this from? This is from my Aunt Peggy. Oh, I was hoping she could send me the Christmas cards. Oh, let me open. And you open it up and it's a video, I mean, a cassette tape and saying, play me. And you're hearing like your husband with another woman or it's pictures or it's something like that. We need to give Coretta mad props because she heard all that 
knew what was going on and what Hoover wanted to do was to create disturbance in his marriage and knowing that that would not only mess him up psychologically, but also that could destroy, especially back in those days, that would completely like the the affair and all of that could have destroyed him or his philandering and a potential divorce and all of that could have made the whole thing crumble, which is what they wanted to do. But they weren't able to do it because they wanted the wife was supposed to be the one to, you know, sound the alarm. They didn't want people to know that it was them that was trying to do it. And Coretta stood her ground and was like, "Uh uh-uh, even though I do want to put my foot (laughs) put my foot up this minute no but I know she was angry who wouldn't be she's a human being but she placed the movement and how important everything was above her own feelings of feeling rejected and betrayed and all of this other stuff She's probably like, Martin, I thought we were right here. And this is what you've been doing? What time do you even have? I have four children, three, four, five children. How many children she bore? And she had to raise those children while Martin was writing letters from Birmingham jail and going here and going here and dipping and doing and all of that. I mean, man. So this has happened before and the establishment is still playing from that playbook. Another example that I know of is in the Black Panther Party. They saw how successful the Black Panthers were, were becoming, how their message was spreading, how even though it's hard they tried to make people think that they're militant, look at them in their leather jackets and their guns are carrying guns. Like, what's wrong? Even though they tried to do that, they were gaining momentum. And not just with Black people. There were whites that were a part of the Black Panther Party or they could have their positioning. They were creating alliances And this scared the establishment, like knees knocking. If you can picture, and I don't want to picture (laughs) J. Edgar Hoover, yikes. But imagine, look at his his snobby little uh, knees just knocking, knocking, knocking to the fact that he could almost break them. That's how much his knees were knocking in fear of the Black Panther Party and their message and their movement. Not because of, oh, they could overtake our armies and whatever. It is because what they were, the platform that they perpetuated and what they what they stood on was power to the people to recognize the evils of the establishment and to reject that and for self-love even the fact that all of them wore their hair natural and those big beautiful afros was something to say give the middle finger to the establishment that has told you that your hair is not beautiful that you need to put this chemical in that can burn you and give you all of these horrible problems to make it straight to look like the antithesis of what you were born with because it's ugly and they know that if they 
push that narrative that that's going to start to seep into your consciousness and that you will start to believe that you are not good enough, that you are not beautiful. And the Panthers, just with that action of saying it loud, I'm black enough, proud, having pride in your natural hair, that that was even something that who I'm over. actually like believing in themselves or wanting like that was the threat to the status quo if black people start loving their own natural self and their own natural skin and they're starting to feed each other black panthers started the free lunch program if you all did not know look it up and educate yourselves free lunch that we as a nation, which is a socialist ideal and platform, y'all, okay? So free lunch, which exists today all over this country, was started and uh, really perpetuated by the Black Panthers in California, feeding kids because they knew about studies that showed that when a child is full, when your your belly is full, that you can concentrate and that you can retain knowledge faster and better and more accurately is when you're hungry. So they started feeding kids, feeding people, educating people, teaching them, giving skills. And this is what made these people a threat that this Hoover was like, no, we've got to bring this down where their murders were planned and executed, y'all. Where local police, like the LAPD, was a definite puppet of uh, the establishment. They hired so many informants to infiltrate all factions of the Black Panther Party to create disruption to create division within in order to destroy it from within because they could not do it from the outside they the movement was too powerful the movement was too strong so then they're like let's cook up a scheme and yes they would find people and threaten them and say even if they didn't have a police wreck first of all they would always try to find people that had some type of legal issues like they just got arrested, they were out on bail, it could go either way, you know, if they plead their case in front of a a judge that they can either get jail time or not. And that's when they would step in and be like, well, if you go and do this and tell us everything that you hear and come back, basically be a rat, we'll make sure that this whole case disappears and that you don't have to go to jail. Who's going to say no to that? And in a lot of cases, they could not say, you did not have a choice. They were like, oh, you're not going to do it? Well, Grandma Pearl is 98 years old, isn't she? And she lives in Worth, Mississippi, and in this apartment building, we know how to get to her. So they did it. They would find a way to put the boot on your neck so that you do it. And there were mad informants in the Black Panther Party, mad informants. And what their goal was, was not to just give information back to the government. It was to create certain things. They had 
performance even drug Fred Hampton so that he would be basically comatose asleep by the time the police came in and shot that man at like point blank range. It's horrible, the assassination of Fred Hampton. Go and read about it. It will make your, it, it, I mean, it's, it's mind blowing the depths that the establishment will go to, to preserve the status quo. Another example is within the Nation of Islam. I mean, I'm not going to get into that. There's a great documentary right now about Malcolm X on Netflix. So if you want to learn more about the how Hoover and the FBI tried tried and did infiltrate the Nation of Islam. Islam of Islam and did the same thing as the previous examples create infighting destroy it from within because the nation of Islam was too strong with Elijah and Malcolm leading and how black people were getting again the same sorts of pride in themselves confidence rejecting the establishment narrative that's been forced down their throats the nation of islam had a military discipline style that freaked them out like what are they and they were growing in numbers they couldn't even count how many uh, muslims muslims they were around uh the united states the hoover was like this must be stopped and what did he do create infighting pin uh, he found out from informants that there was some sort of beef growing between elijah and malcolm and they played on that to create disruption they tried to even get malcolm x to be an informant and he was like i don't think so but I mean, not everybody had that choice. And we all know in history what happened with the Nation of Islam and Malcolm X. So this is what the establishment does. They are not trying to hide it. They're not trying to be covert about it. They're being very overt. And so fast forward to 2020 and with the uh, Bernie Sanders campaign and the revolution that he started in the sense that people were gravitating towards him in major numbers that they had to create an a full on attack and and suppress his vote and suppress him because the person that they wanted to pr- prop up wasn't getting that and we're talking about Bernie in 2016. And then he had the nerve to come back again. And they're like, what? And back again, even stronger. They have tried and thrown everything at this man. And he's still in the race. Half the country hasn't voted yet. So although you might be angry at the uh, decisions that you feel like the leader that you have supported for candidacy has disappointed you. Let's not let that 
that anger and that disappointment that will come, that that is a part of life and it will come. Not that you should be continuously just, just use that to say, well, let them do whatever they want. No, when, if Bernie were to do something that was to go against his platform and completely demolish the work that he's been doing for 40 plus years and I, I still support him like still he's not doing anything or he's done something that is so it just tears the fabric it rips it it's irreplaceable it's irreplaceable it's it's something that's been done that you just can't come back from there's no way I'm advocating to say like keep propping up Bernie Sanders keep supporting him no but even though I was one of the people that was upset about this stimulus BS package, that does not mean that I'm going to allow myself to get that thrown off the course so that I begin to start attacking Sanders and then giving up on the whole notion of change in this country, which is what is desperately needed. This Rona is showing us. This Rona is showing us how unprepared we are. I just watched a clip of a nurse who quit her job today because she brought in her own PPE and apparently bringing your own protective gear was something that was against hospital rules and regulations. And her manager was telling her to take it off, even though they didn't have anything. The nurses didn't have the mask, but they were still expected to work without masks. And this woman is crying and bawling. She's saying, I did not want to quit, but I have a family at home. I'm taking care of like my elderly mother or elderly grandparents, and I don't want to expose them. So can I please wear my mask? They're like, no. And so she had to make a decision. Do I just forget this and say, let it all, like, let me get exposed? Or do I quit and I have to find some other alternative because I'm not going to put my family at risk? Those shouldn't be choices. Like, the change is necessary. And the only candidate who is running for president right now, who is still in the game, who will speak directly to that change is Bernie Sanders. So regardless of whether we are happy with every decision that he's made, every vote that he should have voted yes to in our opinion, we have to, I'm not saying just swallow it. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. Because what, what we're, what, even if I were saying that, what you would be swallowing wouldn't be your own vomit. That's not it at all. Like, yes, the package was crumbs, as AOC said. But there is a reason also why all of them, even Thomas Massey, who gave such an objection to the stimulus bill, he was the one that called the what the people got cheese in the rat trap, basically. That's a very vivid... um, a very vivid um, analogy, vivid and harsh. Massey still voted for it. They're saying that Paul Rand probably would have been the only one to vote against it, but he got the corona, so he wasn't able to put in his vote. 
or even do a voice quote because I don't even think you had to be there. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's said and done and we have to move forward. And I don't believe that it's constructive for the movement and all the stri- general striking that people want to do. I understand that. And I believe that it is necessary. There is proven evidence in our history going back to Martin Luther King and the bus boycotts in Montgomery, Alabama, that boycotts and strikes work. They work. And I know there's plenty of examples after um, the bus boycotts, more recent examples, but I'm saying there's a historical context for it. However, a strike on this magnitude, a general strike is going to require unity. We cannot have, which is what these establishment people can smell, that this is coming and they're trying their tricks, that they, their bag of tricks <laughs> authorized and signatured by uh, Hoover himself. And they're playing from that play, the same playbook. They don't even come up with different tactics. So the recent article in Politico that bashes AOC and says she's splitting from Bernie and it's already in the uh, headline giving clickbait that there is already tension. There's there's a breaking of within. They want you because they know people don't even read these articles. They'll just read the clickbait and just read a couple tweets, if that, and maybe a couple lines of the article, if that. So they know what they're doing. And if you read the article, yes, there are things, many things that you can critique AOC on, even though she's only been in the Congress for not that long. There's things she is, can be praised for. And there are things that you're like, wait a minute now, now, wait a minute now, wait a minute now. And like I said, out of a politician, it should be expected those of you who get upset when somebody, I can like AOC and her policies, but if I keep my mouth shut, if I feel like a vote that she cast or something that she said that that is hurtful to a group of people or hurtful to an individual, as a pol- elected official, you have to be able to take that if somebody wants to say, hey, wait a minute, didn't you say this? couple months ago didn't you vote like this way this vote this uh what you just said is hurting us not helping us and then the politician's role is to look at those critiques hear those critiques be able to put your own ego aside and because these are the constituents that voted you in so you've got to listen to what they have to say even when they don't agree with you and they won't agree with you I'll tell you that right now (laughs) nobody even a politician that is checking all the right boxes and dotting all the I's and crossing the T's is going to do every action is going to uh, satisfy every single one of their constituents. So the purpose of that, and look where it was written, political, like this is an establishment, um, this is an establishment, uh, media outlet this is not some independent progressive voice they did not write it to be able to pull the progressive voice together it was written to create division and that's exactly what it did 
the minute that it was put on and the the praise from Nira Tandon and the praise from James Carville, do you honestly think that Nira Tandon, like BFF Hillary Clinton, the Nira Tandon who will straight up just just have fire coming out of her mouth when Bernie Sanders is even mentioned in any, in any clip I've seen of this woman on CNN. It is just a vile contempt for this man and what he stands for. And you're okay, you have the right to do that. But I'm not going to believe for two seconds that you are a fan of AOC all of a sudden. I'm going to look at that as suspect. But you know, many people who aren't as, who aren't paying attention as much as to what's going on, will take that to someone from the progressive side anyway, will take that, that co-signing that Nira did of AOC on Twitter as like, well, that's definitely a side that AOC is definitely down with the establishment. If Nira Tandon and James Carville are saying nice things about her, on Twitter. And that was done intentionally. And people fell for it hook, line, and sinker. I saw on the Twitter, the the endless tweets, well, if Mira Tandon is now co-signing AOC, she's doing something wrong. And that's what they wanted you to think. And you fell for it hook, line, and sinker. They wanted someone. And who even knows if it was planned because Jank I once was a diehard TYT fan. That's how I knew who Jimmy Dore was and started following the show. But since then, after Jank was all about supporting Hillary, I stopped, you know, with TYT, even though I still like many of the personalities on TYT, but I stopped supporting and stopped watching the show because I felt like it was getting too establishment for me. The The leader of TYT was becoming too established or, or leaning towards the establishment. And so for him, Jank, to be trending on Twitter the day that this political article comes out because of a tweet that he wrote in defense of the article or furthering his critique of AOC. And I believe a lot of that is personal. I believe that Jake is upset that he did not win his his political pursuits and believes that an endorsement from AOC could have changed the tide for him. Probably not, but it definitely wouldn't have has been would not have been such a horrible loss that I've heard that it was. I have not um, researched the uh, political aspirations of Jank Uger too much, but I do know he was running for office, and I do know that he lost pretty bad. Okay. It may, many of the greats have lost, so don't give up, Jank. Keep going. If you feel like you have something to add to the process that's positive, I wouldn't say be discouraged because not every, you have to lose, that's the balance of life. You have to lose some in order to learn from those losses and to become stronger. But I understand he's a little salty. He's a little mad at AOC, but don't use that right now to like, you know, vent your, your personal frustrations out there masked as like oh this is my concern about the movement when you're really like why didn't she endorse me 
And because that's very hurtful. You're when you fall for the establishment's trap like that, it it hinders you. It does not help. Doesn't help you if you want to pursue another run at something politically jank. And it doesn't help the movement when you just fall into their traps. It's really sad this infighting that I've seen between people that need to be allies not not just people with a um highly successful youtube shows but also you know folks who are just bernie supporters when you see the uh infighting and people feeling like they have to defend AOC and people feeling like they have to call her out and people who are calling Bernie out and people who are not and this is exactly what these people want they want us to start fighting with each other they want us to start saying f you f you I thought you were my friend and getting so mad and saying oh we just need to strike and Bernie's not doing anything I've heard people who have had guests on their show. Jimmy Dore had Matt Stoller on his show uh, after the stimulus bill. And I mean, although he brought up some very interesting and valid points about the ineffectiveness of this bill for the working class people, he did it in such a way that came with a very personal um, tone of hatred towards that's just straight up what it was hatred matt stoller hates bernie standards you would not come on a show like jimmy doors that gets thousands and thousands of views some of his clips get millions of views you wouldn't come on a show like that and call bernie a coward and call him a liar and call him all of these very these are very strong things like you got if you're gonna say that about somebody who's running for president you better back it up like if you're calling this man a coward besides the fact that he's saying oh he was cowardly for not uh, not voting for this bill i feel like you got to come with it more than that cow uh, calling someone a coward can't just be on one thing and I know you could probably be like well there's this and this and this and this and probably that's true however I'm saying I it makes me feel uncomfortable to use that word for Bernie Sanders you could probably you can say Bernie's a lot of things I don't know him personally but the man's not perfect so he has vices and faults that people around him who know him can call him out for and there's also plays that he's made, votes that I believe he should have voted for that he hasn't, times in which he should have said this when he said something else. However, there is no Jill Stein, there's no Green Party action going on over here. Bernie is the candidate. Bernie is the candidate with the platform who's still in the race. And I believe it's up to us to still coalesce around him, regardless of the disappointments that we have in the actions that he did or did not take. As grave as you believe that those are, your option of striking is not possible to be successful when it is not a cohesive front. That's just what I, if you just look back at history, the the strikes and the walkouts that are successful and get the demands, or at least they're able to get to the bargaining table, 
is when it is a collective and cohesive and formidable action. It cannot be just done by a few people where there's like infighting all the time, which is why the establishment is going so hard now at trying to get us to be, you know, uh, having these infights and getting so angry and turning on Bernie. That's exactly what they want. And then with this Rona postponing primaries and all of this stuff, this is what they want. And I implore you all to reject it, to see what they are trying to do and don't allow them to use you as a puppet, the puppet master. We are not Pinocchio up in here where they can pull the strings. We can see their BS and what they're trying to do. And we need to say no. Satan, I see you not today. That is what we need to say. Not today. Because it's straight. And I say Satan, yes, because it's evil. It's evil to want to suppress the people because they want universal health care in a time of a pandemic that a nurse wants to be able to cover her face and not and her body so that this this uh, uh, sickness doesn't come onto them. The other day, which was just yesterday, I mean, it was just my heart just sank. My next door neighbor, the old man who lives across the street, sweet old guy, always nice to everyone in the neighborhood. On nice days, he just like sits out in front in his little nook with his dog, just saying hi to people. We saw an ambulance come and take him, uh, obviously, to the emergency room in the wee hours of the morning. Nobody can, you know, family can't assist and come, not assist, but they can't jump in the, the, the vehicle anymore. They're not even allowed to like come and visit and all, all of that stuff. It's, it's real. I've read stuff online about people, uh, tweets about people saying that their grandparents, I don't know if I'm going to see my grandmother again. I had to drop her off and I can't come back and visit her. I mean, this is, it's real. And seeing this sweet old man on that stretcher and just looking so scared. But my husband and I prayed for him. I know that I believe that there are other people who were awakened by the ambulance. We also prayed. And I watched through my window these uh, first responders and how they had to gear and suit up before they even go in to see and uh, uh, look at the problem. There needs the change that needs to happen. Bernie Sanders is the only candidate with that Bernie platform. Bernie Sanders is the only candidate with that platform. House of Knuckle. And I know people are like, oh, he, he gave it all away and he's already lost. And, and the bill, he let the trillions. And I know that. I do. But I'm saying, though. This, if you're going to do a general strike, who is leading that? That just can't be anyone. That just can't be left to those who politically commentate. It takes a type of, that's why I'm saying you can't be calling Bernie Sanders some coward, some dude who back in the 50s, who could have just led a chill life. He didn't have to be advocating for people of color back then. That could get you a bullet. It happened if you watch the movie Mississippi Burning, or if you know about 
those three uh, SNCC or SLCC workers who were murdered by the Klan. And there were so many more things that happened, but that was the uh, big story because it was three of them and they were missing for a while. I mean, it's a horrible Mississippi burning is I can't even like watch it. I had to watch it in school and I just remember it just stuck with me. If you have not seen that movie, you need to to understand like the depths of what the establishment will go to silence and bring disruption into a movement that that threatens the status quo. So I bring that up is because Bernie could have easily have lost his life or become physically injured through putting himself out there. But he did. So you can't call that act cowardly, especially when your role is just to commentate. Like when you put yourself on the front lines like that and you have a history of doing that. Talk to me when you're 20, 30 years in of putting yourself on the line. And then it's a different conversation. I believe that a general strike has to be led by, you know, someone who understands, who has had a history of speaking up and speaking out, not perfection, because no one can give you a history of perfection, but someone who has done that because it takes a different type of character. It's one thing to uh, give your opinion and to give it strong. And those people like myself, I'm sitting here giving, this is my contribution, being able to uh, tell a story, tell a narrative from my perspective or the underrepresented perspective and that's an important role to play however it's a very different role than being in that leadership role putting yourself on the front lines understanding what being a political insider in the sense that you know how these the establishment roles you know how it is because you've worked in it yourself or you have very close connections that have worked in it and that can relay that information to you and have been relaying that information to you and I I mean until you're in that that world it's going to be very difficult I I feel like your critique of Bernard might be different now I know someone I'm speaking specifically about Jimmy Dore and I understand where his frustration is. I have those same frustrations, but we have to keep our eyes on the larger picture. And I know that it's, it sounds good to say that you're going to lead this strike, but I believe that it's a very different thing from like what you're doing now from leading a movement like that and doing it as an outsider, not understanding really the inner workings I'm not I'm not trying to say he doesn't understand the inner workings but for example when uh he had a show a couple days ago where um the convo couch it's an um it's a podcast I believe and I would be interested in checking it out but he had one of the uh co-hosts from that show on 
And in which a conversation, they were talking about the AOC article. They were talking about how, you know, she's basically an establishment tool now, basically. But the convo couch, and I can't remember his name, but, uh, I mean, he was critical of AOC, but he was still, I believe, you know, not just saying, oh, I just give up and, like, forget all of this. I believe he was still you know, trying to back burn, I think, but, um, my point is with bringing up that whole, uh, conversation was that when AOC was discussed, there was a point in the conversation where Dor brought up that AOC came on his show. And then when she got elected, she didn't come back on the show and she didn't return any emails. So that was, to him he was bringing that up as evidence that she you know is switching towards the establishment or like forgot her progressive grassroots so to speak and basically used his show and his platform to get visibility and once she was in her comfortable position she forgot all about this audience and the convo couch dude had to interject and say well you know I have some friends who work within the campaign and I was told that basically once she won or when not even that she won they knew she was going to win so it was like the numbers were in her favor and they knew that their establishment crony wasn't going to win so that's when they started to circle around her that's when the dnc started to meet with her and to break down the rules the rules and to bring their lawyers in and to do circle around like buzzards do and put the fear of god into her i'm sure that's exactly what happened and door and any platform like him were a no-no. You can't even communicate with these people. You can't write them an email. You can't even decline. You basically have to act like they do not exist. And if we find out that you have, there'll be a price to pay, Alexandria. That's how it rolls. And until you are there in the front lines, you're not going to like see it and feel it. It's one thing to get smeared by Nira Tandon on Twitter and, you know, these establishment hacks and I'm not saying that's not anything to oh just deal with it like I'm sure that is painful and it can be scary and intimidating but it's a whole other bargain when the DNC brings their cavalry around and brings their cavalry of legal around you okay there's no I mean what would you expect AOC to actually do when that happens to her, that she's going to break whatever they have told her when they've brought it in to a legal point to say, I'm going to just break that and just go on the show anyway. Like, no, that's not going to happen. And the fact that it seemed like when the, the gentleman, because <laughs> I can't remember his name, broke that to Jimmy, it's like he didn't really know how to take that and exorb it. I saw it in his face. He was like, well, what? And it's like, okay, well, if you're not aware that that sort of thing happens, then, you know, and 
because you're not you he's not a politician he's never served off in office of any kind so it's not something that you would know it's something you would speculate but you haven't been in that position and know what that feels like and you know because of that those people that do take those risks we do have to give them credit for that and like I said keep our eyes on the bigger picture and right now look at the state of the world look at what's going on and I'm not saying that a general strike is not something that needs to be done it definitely feels like that is the way to go if this $1,200 means tested is the only thing that's going that they're offering at this point but I'm saying it needs to be led and I'm not saying that a non-politician can't lead it that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying that the uh, we need to be tighter there can't be major factions of the progressive voice like Dorr and like Tim Black having open beef like this about AOC like we can't fall for this whole like AOC and Bernie have broken rank and we're Tim Black and Jim Dore at each other's throats and Matt Stoller's in there and all these other people like that a general strike is not gonna work if that is the the vibe within the progressive voice right now so we've got if that's the way that you want to roll and where we're thinking that we want to roll then we need to get tight we need to get it right and get it tight and stop all this uh, falling for the establishment's tricks. And we need to reject that and coalesce and become that Teflon Don. And nothing's go- no- none of their tricks that they try to throw at us are going to stick. And we keep it forward and we keep it moving. Seriously. That is how I I evoked King a lot in this podcast, but that is how the bus boycotts in Alabama were successful. There's no way that they could have got that victory if they were a few blacks that were like, well, I like the bus. It's comfortable and I'm tired when I get out. No, that was not everybody. Do you hear me? Everybody, everybody. It had to be, maybe there were like those one or two that were too scared to do it, but literally it was like one or two. It couldn't have been like half of them stayed home because that would have been enough revenue for Alabama. They would have been like, well, okay, we can do it with half y'all. Half y'all stay home and half y'all ride the bus. That's fine. It had to get it where, get where it hurts. So it had to be all of them. So they made that sacrifice to walk miles after working a job that had them standing up, that had them, you know, uh, taking care of someone else's children for eight hours a day. And then they had to walk three hours to get home. They did that because they knew how important it was to stay together and to stay collective. And maybe some people didn't even agree that this was going to work or that this was going to be too much. But they still had to fall in line and get on board because they knew the bigger picture. Just like how Coretta Scott knew knew that even though it hurt like hurt like anything that betrayal of your the man that you have married what a betrayal but she was like I have to think about the movement and she would have been entitled to be like you know what freak this movement I'm thinking about me 
I don't think who could criticize her for that. Who could criticize that woman? But this woman is not given enough. You, we need to give her her due. I don't care if Women's History Month is over. Credit Scott King was bomb. Okay, bomb. We talk about Rosa, and yes, Rosa did her thang thang, but Credit Scott King took one for the team. Okay. Because Hoover, anyway. Dennis Scott King was bomb, okay? Bomb. <laughs> so what I'm saying is we, we got to be a little Coretta right now. We got to evoke her spirit right now. And keep it calm, keep it cool, keep it collected. And it's like, oh, it's not today, Satan, not today, not this today establishment. We're not going to fight for that. I'm going to redirect my anger, redirect my frustration with this uh, stimulus, redirect like all of that and coalesce community togetherness that the, the numbers that Bernie was able to pull in from state to state, from city to city, that's what they're afraid of. And that's why they're continuously still trying to smear this man, continuously still trying to do these old establishment tricks to try and create infighting. That's how you know that Bernie still has clout and he's still got power. Because like I said, they would not even bother. They would not bother. But they are bothering a lot. So see that as something, y'all. I'm just telling you. My plea, I implore you to redirect that anger, to coalesce. Let's focus on community. And don't fall for the establishment tricks. Because this general strike, (laughs) this is the last thing I will say and I will end this episode. But this won't be the last time we'll talk about this. We will do other episodes on this if need be. But I'm telling you, a general strike has to have masses in numbers working together. There cannot be any sort of break off. It has to be enough and it has to be well-timed and it has to be well-organized in order for it to get the, the effect that you want. And so... All this other, this, this responding to the establishment's whack. And the attempts are weak because they're coming from the same playbook. They're not even trying to really disguise it. So it's a weak and whack attempt. But when we fall for it like that, whether the attempt is whack or whether it's strong, it still worked. And we can't, we can't get, we can't let them play us like that. We're not going to get played. So come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, Lord and Lord. Oh, Lord and Lord. Oh, Lord and Lord.